chat. Politics and current affairs. Backpack. Back chat. Back chat. Your alternative to talk back. Yes, indeed, you are listening to Backchat here on FBI Radio, your freshest wrap of news and current affairs. I'm Swetha Das. And I'm Amber Schultz, filling in for Shami. Now, this week in the news, we've seen the death of former Zimbabwean Prime Minister Robert Mugabe and Hurricane Dorian blast through the Bahamas, killing at least 30 people. But as always, we're going to be giving you the news you might not have heard on your airwaves this week. First up, we have environmental advocate Liz Mew in the studio to discuss the Sydney water crisis and the small changes we can be making in our lifestyles to help save water. And after that, we'll be speaking to women's rights advocate, lawyer and painter Amani Hadar, speaking to us this morning about her exhibition at Advocacy. Just a heads up, we're going to be speaking about domestic violence against women in this section. And as always, we want to hear from you. What do you do? to help save water. Do you collect rainwater? Do you plant succulents? Shower with your hottest friend? (laughs) Text us in on 0409-945-945 or tweet us at FBI. To show us all what a beep-lying, beep-backstabbing, beep-treacherous, beep-beep she is. Thanks, Colin. Backchat, your alternative to talk back. The latest research from Sydney Water reveals levels across 11 dams in Greater Sydney are dropping faster than they have in decades. Since April 2017, the levels have plummeted from 96% combined capacity to just over 55% and continue to fall by 0.4% every week. Mm. If levels fall below 50%, it will trigger stage one water restrictions for Sydney households. An important topic. Now, we have environmentalist environmental advocate Liz Mew in the studio with us to discuss the water res- dam the water and dam level crisis. Oh no, she's kidding. <laughs> We're a bit of a fan of Liz. <laughs> and the small changes that we can make in our lifestyles to help implement long-term water saving practices. Thanks for coming in, Liz. Thank you for having me. Good uh, morning. Oh my Good morning. God. Thank you for coming in. So, um, can you tell us about the water crisis that Sydney is facing at the moment? So basically, not many people know this, but we're in a drought. Mm. We're yeah. in a drought. So Sydney is in a drought. Sydney is in a drought. It's Especially. not a rural problem. This is definitely a city problem as well now. Mm. Yeah. What? Why don't people know we're in a drought? Like it's a it's a big issue, but I just don't feel that we're hearing a lot about it. Look. I don't really know myself. I, like, there hasn't been much publicity about it. I didn't know until very recently that there was a drought, but I think that's going to change very soon. Also, like, I don't know, we use a lot of water per capita. Uh, we use, like, 30% more than Melbourne, so, like, it's... Yeah. It's not good. It's not good, yeah. So, I mean, do you know what brought us to being in a drought? So 96% down to 55%. So there's, there's basically two reasons for drought. There's no rain and I guess there's no rain because of climate change yeah. okay yeah. so <laughs> yeah I think it all comes down mostly to climate change but also we're a very dry country and we use a lot of water basically yeah I think that statistic that you brought up about Melbourne versus Sydney is really interesting do you think that Sydney siders are bad at being conservative when they use water uh, yes and no I think no because we don't know like, we don't know any better. We're used to doing things a certain way. So when it comes to saving water, everything feels, like, weird and strange. But, like, we got to do it. It's crunch time. Mm. Absolutely. So I guess, you know, 
I would love to talk to you about your best tips for saving water. Oh, there are so many. Do you shower with a hot friend? Um, I do not shower with a hot friend, but I do shower and I do time my showers, which everybody should be doing. So if you're listening, time your shower. So so how long do you take in the shower? So it should be about three to four minutes. So you should ditch those baths. Um, But also apart from all the like obvious things like using the half flush and like fully loading the dishwasher and doing the laundry in full loads. There's other like little things that you can do, like not even filling up your whole glass with water when you go to have a drink, because we all need to stay hydrated. Um, Because like, do you know how you you fill up your water, you go, you drink maybe like three quarters of it and then you leave it there like Mm. for hours and then you pour that little bit out. If you do that every day, you're like losing little bits of water. Mm -hmm. So it's just being really mindful of like how much water you're using, I guess, and being really creative with like water in your life like even saving water when you like have a shower and you're waiting for the water to heat up i've been like collecting that water it sounds weird but like i've been collecting that water to either use um with watering plants or even flushing the toilet oh yeah i feel like people don't know about toilet flushing i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna blow your mind okay (laughs) so with toilet flushing basically if you pour water down the toilet it's gone flush. Yeah. Like, it's going to flush. And um, in Sydney, we use we don't use recycled water. Like, the system isn't hooked up so recycled water is being used to flush the toilet. It's mm. actually clean drinking water, mm. which is kind of dumb. So you can actually, if you literally collect buckets of water, like, it rained pretty recently, and I collected, like, almost 10 buckets of water. Mm. And, um, yeah. I'm impressed That's that you like had 10 buckets. Flush. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of buckets from work, from like weighing up flour and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I remember I went on um, the Sydney Water website just to see some tips on saving mm-hmm. water. And someone uh, messaged it and they said that you can freeze denim. Um, oh, yeah. That's like, that that supposed to like clean your jeans. Is I've never done it myself, but I think it's true. Yeah. My friend, my friend Charlie did. It. Yeah, it's like it's Charlie text in um oh four oh nine nine four five nine four five. If you have any water saving tips, we want to hear from you. As quirky as they may be, um, someone else um uh, messaged and they said that they um when they take a shower they switch off the water when they lather mm-hmm. and then they switch it back on. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. So all these little things really do add up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess like for us, we'd really love to understand like, um, is it harder to save water when you live in a city versus in a rural area? I think we have, like, different needs. In a rural area, you might have, like, animals that you need to feed and give water to, whereas I think it's actually, if anything, it's easier to save water Hmm. in Sydney Mm -hmm. because we have so much control of the tap that we are literally getting water from. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. We don't have giant gardens or animals to feed or anything like that. Yeah. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Swathadas and Amber Schultz. We're speaking with environmental advocate Liz Mew about the small changes that we can make to our lifestyle to help implement long-term water-saving practices. Now, Liz, we yes. are huge fans of yours. <laughs> Thank I'm you. just going to, like, let's just address it, okay? Um, <laughs> so you um, run an amazing um, online presence where you are a huge advocate for saving the environment, um, you know, water-saving tips and... And like having a vegan lifestyle. So I'd love to explore that a bit more. Um, you know, tell us about how, I mean, I guess, tell us about your passion around climate change and what can people do um, to help um, prevent the effects of climate change? Oh my gosh, that's a big question. Well, there are so many little things that we can do. I guess I'm so passionate about climate change because that is our freedom, that is our future, that is our children's future, that I feel like other people have kind of screwed up for us. So 
yeah, it's just basically we want to survive and we want to survive comfortably so that we're not always in like a stage of having to save water or having to do this. So like we need to start now. Um, and because I grew this platform over food and got all these people's attention, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start speaking my truth. And like, like I've only recently started, I guess, speaking up about climate change. You're very um, honest on the platform. So it's, it's, it's Liz Mew, right? Yeah. Is your main um, Instagram. I'm pretending yes. like I don't know. <laughs> um, it's Liz Mew. And, yeah. you know, I, what I love is that you talk about, you know, being plastic free um, and all of that kind of stuff. So do you think that, um, being proactive in that has a significant impact in the future? I, I definitely do. Like, every little thing counts. And thinking that your individual actions, like, don't count is, like, the dumbest thing. Because it does. Because, yeah, everything adds up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Now, as we touched on, you run a prominent vegan business. I don't know if our listeners know this, but you sell delicious vegan buns that yes. sell out every single week at the vegan market. <laughs> yes, <which is> so <laughs> milk and bun, M-Y-L-K. And Liz didn't bring any today, but that's fine. Yeah, I'm sorry, we weren't I'm expecting sorry. it or anything. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Um, but she, you sell about 1,500 of these buns every, you know, once a month, and some of the proceeds go towards domestic violence shelters, mm-hmm. um, which is a fantastic cause. But just about this vegan lifestyle and becoming vegan... Um, do you think that this lends itself towards sustainability as well? Does that help save water by becoming vegan? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, whatever your meal is, it's got to drink, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, like, your steak had to drink water. Or even if your meal is totally vegan, there's, like, water that went into producing all the food mm-hmm. that's on your plate. I guess, like, we don't think about food production enough. Like, energy goes into it, like, time and water and so many different resources. So being vegan, I'm just trying to reduce my footprint, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah, I kind of went vegan for health, then it switched to animals, but right now it's very much environmental and, yeah. I mean, you really do spread a great message, so people should, oh, thank everyone you. should follow you on Instagram. Oh, thank so you. We've got some texts in. Um, yes. Someone texted in, they said, I live the dirt life, a shower every other day and never washed a pair of oh, jeans. about that. Nice to know I'm actually an environmentalist, not just a grub. <laughs> Um, I am about that. Yeah, we're all grubs, yeah. Um, and then someone else texted in. Um, their name's Ali. And they said, hey, guys, a friend calculated during the week that washing your hair one less time a week will save 620 liters per year of water. Wow. Yeah, damn. I did not know that. Wow. And DIY shampoo shampoo all the way. Mm. DIY shampoo. Yeah, yeah. like bicarb soda, I think. Yep. Yeah. So you can do bicarb soda as a rinse for shampoo, and then you can use apple cider vinegar for conditioner. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it totally works. Mm. Maybe it might take like a week for your hair to get used to it, mm. but it's really cool. It actually works. Don't we thrive not washing our hair, right? Like, mm. Yeah, I've like started just, uh, my hair's pretty dank right now but um it's okay, it's really yeah. <laughs> yeah you guys can't see it's okay um but it actually makes your hair healthier because you're not washing all this like good stuff out of your hair mm. and it kind of maintains itself mm. so yeah i wash a lot less now yeah and plastic free as well mm-hmm. um and now is there anywhere else we can look for water saving practices yes i believe there is sydney water has just um launched a new website it's called the love water hub it has all the water restrictions on there because there are water restrictions in play right now mm-hmm. and also heaps like tips galore of how you can save water and then there's also i think water new south wales has all the dam levels right now it's at 49.5 mm-hmm. as of yesterday oh, wow. which is crazy like we literally depend on water yeah. with our lives so 
that is a that's a crazy level. Yeah, absolutely. Well, make sure you check it out and get across it and learn how to save water and how you can make little lifestyle changes. Thank you so much for chatting us with us this morning. Liz. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. That was environmentalist activist Liz Mew speaking to us about the small changes that we can make to our lifestyles to help implement long-term water saving practices. Stay tuned because we'll be moving along to our next interview with Archibald Prize finalist lawyer and women's rights activist Amani Hader. But now in honor of Queen Nicki Minaj's announced retirement is Chun Li. The, the Australian taxpayer even pays for the toilet paper she uses. Does she go down to the chemist to buy the tampons? Or is the Australian taxpayer paying for those as well? Fact Chat, your alternative to talk back. A new exhibition has opened in Fairfield, showcasing the work of lawyer, activist and painter Imani Hader. Imani was last year named an Archibald Prize finalist for her self-portrait called Insert Headline Here. A heads up here, we are going to be discussing domestic violence in the segment. The piece is bright and bold and serves as a commentary on the media circus. Amani's family has been in the headlines after her mother was killed by her father. Since her passing, Amani has become a vocal advocate on the issue of violence against women. She joins us in the studio this morning to discuss her art, life and advocacy. Thanks for coming in, Amani. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. So, you were a successful lawyer and busy mother before you stepped into art. Can you tell us about what prompted you to start this? Sure. Um, so I was working in the CBD in a commercial law firm doing litigation. Um, when my mum was murdered in March 2015, I was actually already about five months pregnant. And it kind of came to a point where I had to decide what I needed to focus on at that point in time. So I had to step away from work, um, support my sisters through the very difficult aftermath of the murder, and then make time for myself to be able to have a baby and recover and focus on my own healing and my family. So during that time, I started to find myself being creative at home and um, gradually I started to feel that it was something I wanted to do more of and eventually I built up the confidence to share it with others like on Instagram without really delving into my personal circumstances and things like that and then as time went by it just became a more a very natural and um, therapeutic thing to do for me to express what I was feeling and it helped me put a lot of ideas and thoughts out there without necessarily um, feeling confident enough to articulate them in words or in writing just yet. So it allowed me to start exploring that conversation and expressing myself at a time where I was feeling very vulnerable. Why do you think it's so important to champion women's rights through the medium of art and how have these themes come through in your paintings? So when I decided to enter the Archibald Prize, um, there was a lot of doubt in my mind about doing that, but I thought, you know what, like you don't really need permission from anyone to do it. I'm a self-taught artist. If I get rejected, that's not really a big deal because there's nothing to lose. So I, and I had this idea that had been brewing in my mind that I really felt compelled to share and to paint. And from that point, I sort of planned it out and put the date in my diary. I still left it all to the last minute mm -hmm. and <laughs> and got around to painting my self-portrait. And um, I think what I wanted to do was have a conversation with the public on my own terms about something that, I, that had been very disempowering for me and very traumatic for me. I was 
conscious of the fact that when a violent crime takes place, the victims in those circumstances often feel that they've lost control over their whole entire life. And contributing to that is the fact that there are many eyes on you and the media and a lot of questions, and you haven't had time yet to even process what has happened. And to feel safe talking about that with other people, I wanted to do it on my own terms. I wanted to reclaim that story from the headlines. I wanted to give it the dignity and the respect that I thought it deserved. And that's how that idea came about. And it ended up having a very positive response because it gave people a chance to engage with something in a very um, open and non-confrontational context. Mm. And the more they paid attention to the work, the more layers of meaning um, would come through it. So it was kind of my tribute to both my mum and my grandmother. And it was really just the start of all the work that I've now developed. So can you walk us through, um, you know, the painting insert headline here? Um, because obviously it's a audio media. Radio uh, show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, walk us through the painting and, and just, um, would you be able to, you know, delve a bit um, into the inspiration behind the painting? Sure. So the painting is a self-portrait and in the self-portrait, I'm holding a photo of my mum. And in that photo, she's holding a photo of her mum. So my mum also lost her mum in very traumatic circumstances. My grandmother was killed in 2006 in the south of Lebanon um, by an Israeli drone strike. And that event received international media attention. It was investigated by Human Rights Watch as a potential war crime. Um, and I was in year 12 at that time. So it was something that I've, I've, I'm actually still starting to really understand the consequences that that has and the kinds of suffering that people um, live with when they live in these sorts of circumstances. So I took that photo off the straight off the internet. I just printed it with my printer. It has a Fairfax watermark on it from back because that's who took the photo back when I lost my grandmother and they were interviewing my mum about her experience. And I started to see all of these layers um, and connections between what my mum must have been through during that time and what I was now going through. And that became to me really interesting and um, sad. And at the same time, I started to think, well, how do I honour that? And how do I take back that story and share it in a sensitive and empowering way? Mm, that's beautiful. Mm. You're listening to Backchat Radio, uh, Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 with Swetha Darth and Amber Schultz. Women's rights advocate, lawyer and painter Amani Haydar is speaking to us this morning about her exhibition and advocacy. Now, we've seen rates of domestic violence increase in Australia in recent years. Why is this and why are we battling against it, do you think? I'm not so sure that the rates have increased. Um, rather, women are becoming more confident about reporting. Yeah. And that's actually a positive thing. We want to remove the shame and the stigma that often holds women back from saying that they need help and from seeking that um, support. So I don't know why that shift has happened, but I think the work that a lot of advocates have been doing, um, including Rosie Batty, a lot of feminist organisations coming together to really put this on the agenda has helped shift the conversation to be more victim focused rather than um, excusing and justifying perpetrators. And organisations like Our Watch have also pressured the media to do a better job when they're reporting on violence against women. And that has also helped 
make it a safer conversation for victims. People are prepared to come forward and talk about it. And it's not enough. We still know that it's underreported. It's particularly underreported in culturally and linguistically diverse communities, in Aboriginal communities. And um, that can just be because women in those communities face more barriers to accessing support and the support that's available isn't always culturally sensitive and it isn't always empowering. It's not always what they need and not all women want to go to the police immediately and not all women feel comfortable sharing their story with just any organisation. So that's sort of where I'm kind of at with my own advocacy. Yeah. So, I mean, why is it so hard to measure rates of domestic violence? Um. Because not everyone will report it, mm-hmm. firstly, to the police. Um, some women will either live with it believing that that's the only option they have or that it's the best option that they have and never seek support for it. So you don't know how many are out there in those circumstances. Then there are women who might leave and never actually find a reason to report it to an organisation or an agency who's actually collecting that data. Mm. So... To know the full extent of it is kind of impossible, but <clears throat> there'll be, you know, there are probably a lot more incidences out there than what we get from the data for those reasons. And how can we start a discourse on domestic violence that leads to significant change? Um, one of the things I think is really important is talking about funding because this is a responsibility for the whole of the community and that means it's a responsibility for the government. And if not enough money is put into those types of services that frontline workers believe are the most effective and the types of services that women themselves are asking for, then you're really not listening to the experts. So I'm on the board at Bankstown Women's Health Centre and they're a feminist organisation that provides holistic health, wellbeing, safety, support for women and case um, casework and counselling and doctors and things like that. And one of the main barriers they have is in relation to limited resources. If you want to reach more people and um, provide them with pathways to the right support, you need that money. And there are currently not as many refuges um, available. There's a housing issue in Sydney, which creates another barrier. Uh, all of those things need to be addressed on a policy level and a legislative level. So if we have any listeners who are worried about themselves or others in a domestic violence situation, what can they do? Well, there are numbers that they can contact and I think those will be posted online. Um, another thing that you can do is pop into a women's health centre. That's a safe space where Men are not allowed on site. Um, They're able to seek different types of support in that space, whether it's because we know that domestic violence can affect your physical health and your mental health in very dramatic ways. They can seek all the different types of supports in the one place in a very discreet way. Um, It's important to feel comfortable and empowered in that process. So really, we need to be supporting women to feel safe talking about the issues so that they can then navigate their own experience in a safe and appropriate way. Thank you so much for talking with us this morning, Amani. Now, if you or anyone you know needs help, you can contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 to be put in contact with state crisis services. Thanks for coming in. Thank you so much. That was women's rights advocate, lawyer and painter Amani Hedar speaking to us this morning about her new exhibition opened in the Fairfield City Museum and Gallery. It's on until November 23, so be sure to check it out. Well, that's all we've got time for the show today. Another big thanks to our producers, Eden Faithful, Natalie Sekolovska, 
Pip Leeson and our my wonderful guest host, <laughs> Abba Shorts. And thanks again to our guests, Liz Mew and Amani Hader. They're both fantastic guests. So um, we're going to post you. a lot of details about them online. So we'll catch you next week. But before we do, we're going to be <laughs> we're going to play a track from Flume. Yeah, we're going to play a track from Flume. Because he's my hero. <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> we're loving his peachy tunes. If you know what I'm talking about, um, here's Say It. We'll catch you all next week. See you guys.